y'all. This is Lauren Akins, and welcome back to the Live and Love podcast. This season, I get to sit down with my friends and my family, and we get to talk about different areas of our lives where we get to live and love. And we've got some new things we're going to get to share with y'all, too. Things that you may not know, even if you've read my book, Live and Love. And I'm Annie F. Downs. I'm really grateful to be here again with Lauren and with you guys as part of this new season of this really special show. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that today. We don't want you to miss a single episode. And if you haven't gotten your copy yet of Lauren's New York Times bestseller, Live and Love, it is time you get a copy. You can pick up your copy at your favorite local bookstore or wherever you love to buy books. Okay, Lauren, so today, is a really special and sacred conversation where we are going to talk about what it looks like to live in love and loss. Who's joining us today? Yeah, so today is going to be a really special conversation and it's heavy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard, but so good. And we're sitting down with Maddie Selectman and she is a friend of mine who actually lost her husband just a few weeks shy of their first year of marriage. And her story is just so beautiful, but you know, it might be something that our listeners might not be ready for or have the capacity or the space in their time right now to hear that. So I think if this is something that you are struggling through or really sensitive to right now, just be aware that that's where this conversation is going to go, but it is very healing as well. So I would definitely save this episode if you're not ready for it just yet. I would save it for a time and place when you are, because I think it will really be a gift to your life. Okay, y'all. So before we start today's episode, I want to tell you how thankful I am to have crew as a partner on our podcast. So if you've been a listener from the beginning, then you know how much the Bible has changed our lives. And so much of what living in love looks like for me and my family is because of what I've read and learned from the Bible. But imagine you can't get a Bible. You can't buy one at your local bookstore or hop on Amazon, or maybe you couldn't even afford one. Well, take it a step further. Imagine you aren't even allowed to have one. I think sometimes it's so easy to forget that there are many people all over the world who simply can't just access a Bible. That's why we're so thrilled to partner with Crew. Crew is one of the largest evangelical organizations with over 25,000 missionaries in almost every country. Crew is giving Bibles around the world to people in their own heart language and sharing the hope of Jesus. But here's where they need your help. So for only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21 as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry. And you'll receive a copy of my book, Live in Love. Simply text LIVE to 71326 to help today. Imagine how much this gift could really change someone's life. So text LIVE to 71326. That's L-I-V-E to 71326 to help now. Or you can visit give.crew.org slash live. Okay, Lauren, we're back. We're back. We're back. Maddie, hi. Hi. Thank you for joining us. Gosh, thanks for having me. Will y'all tell me how you're friends? How are we friends? Through Brooke? I was going to let you take that one, but no, I think we actually met probably right about three years ago when I, Brooke and I launched our Nashville brand. And we met with Suzanne and Grace and wanted to be able to have Love One be one of our give back partners. And then I realized, I was like, oh my gosh, I know you, Brooke. Yes, and y'all knew each other from just I guess, mutual friends in high school. Yes, high school, UT, the whole thing. Yeah. The yeah, small yeah. world of Nashville. That's right. And then me and Maddie just by default became friends just yeah. through our groups doing stuff together. And, yeah. and we're now, all three of us, look at us, authors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cannot believe that's true. But yeah, really good company <laughs> to keep at this table. No. What is the name of your book? It's called Lemons on Friday. Okay. And the subtitle is Trusting God Through My Greatest Heartbreak. So the whole metaphor throughout the book is essentially when life gives us lemons, it's a playoff, make lemonade. And obviously, as believers, we know we can't do that, but God does that. So when we're in the in-between of life is really bitter, life is really sour, or, hey, we're feeling a lot more like we're on Crucifixion Friday than we are Resurrection Sunday, man, how do we hold the hurt and hold the promises of God? Yeah. Will you tell a little bit of your story? Because today, I mean, this is the only show in two seasons that we focused on loss. Yeah. Yeah. And so, A, thank you for 
being willing to talk about it. But will you tell a little bit about your story about why Lauren picked you to do this episode with us? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up here in Nashville and like Lauren, spent my college years at the University of Tennessee where I met my husband, Ben, got married in October of 2017 and was just a total like kind of whirlwind love story, just like stupid fast in retrospect and passionate. And he was a seven Annie, which yes, you would appreciate, yes. which probably plays into all of those things, the speed and the chaos <laughs> of right. it. When I say the most joyful man, you know, like he was the joy of the Lord, just like live life to the fullest, like abundant life. No, no person is a stranger and just that kind of guy. And about three weeks before our first anniversary. So it was September of 2018, had a freak accident while we were fishing on a boat in Florida and fell back onto the dock, hit his head. And um, by the grace of God, there were off-duty EMTs at the little bar, like where the dock was. You know, because I was just thinking, okay, it's kind of like when somebody plays football, like they kind of shook it off and got back up and they were like, no, you need to take him. And his brain started to swell pretty severely. Anyway, long story short, he was in a coma for 12 days multiple brain surgeries and ended up passing away really from a stroke, but after just the severe stress of being in a coma for that long. So that was three years ago, this past September. And yeah, I mean, from there, it has been a whirlwind of learning about grief, you know, resetting your life when it just felt like it was getting started. And then, you know, with Nashville, the company that Brooke and I started, and literally launched, I think, six or seven weeks after he passed. We had already oh been gosh. building it. Oh, sure. And part of our mission with Nashville, even before he had his accident, was to serve widows. We serve orphans, widows, and victims of human trafficking. I mean, just that in of itself, we could go off on a whole other podcast. But just God's hand in the entire, the entire story of how it unfolded in the way that having that platform and really... I mean, launching Nashville in October after he passed in September, I mean, I essentially just walked out <laughs> my grief publicly for the people that we serve and the people who support our organization, you know, with my dad being who he is in the country music world. I, it was, was already sort of public anyway, um, Alan Jackson. So, yes, I have essentially grieved him pretty publicly for the most part. And, you know, the book was never my intention like you. I right to process and yeah. have always have always done so. And at some point along the line, sort of felt the Holy Spirit be like, okay, we're going to move from this just healing you to me using this to heal other people. And mm -hmm. gosh, by his grace, it's it's a book. And yeah. that's where it, we are. It's yeah, it's a very good book. Yeah, it's so powerful. I cannot I cannot say that enough. It's such a powerful book. I'm so proud of you for writing it. I mean, Thank you. Yeah, it was sort of an accident. And then once you get into it, it's a lot of work. But from the beginning, my prayer has always been to the Lord, like, I can do this if I see the purpose. Like, I can, not I can, but with you, we mm -hmm. can get through this pain as long as I see it help other people. And in all honesty, that sounds really holy, but it's not. It was actually really entitled. It sounded more like, I'm not doing this unless you make it help other people, mm. as if I could change it. But he was faithful to that, like, in incredible ways. And, you know, the message always was... As I told you, Annie, I'm an Enneagram 3, and there's this temptation to, like, make the story pretty for people, and that's not helpful. That's not helpful at all. And so, you know, the message from the Lord always was, tell the truth about your story and tell the truth about who I am, and I'll do the rest. I'm just thinking about our friends who are listening who have lost someone dear to them that they—everyone well, has, but Absolutely. not everyone's lost their spouse, certainly not in such a tragic way so quickly. But for people who are thinking, yeah, I've lost someone, how soon after Ben passed— did you start going, this has got to matter? Like, was it right away that you're like, this better matter? Or did it take some time? For me, it was pretty right away. Yeah. Um, I just, the only situation that I could think of that I couldn't bear would be if the pain felt wasted. Wow. And I knew it wouldn't. Like, I knew it wouldn't personally because the God we love doesn't waste pain. Um, but I wanted it to be... Honestly, it felt like a really selfish prayer because I was like, I just don't want this to be wasted on me. Like, I want to see exponential fruit from this. And like, right. I know you can do it. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm here for it if you'll meet me in it. And I mean, he has every single step of the way and blown my mind. But part of that was because, you know, we were setting up an organization that we had felt called for widows to be a part of. And I mean, at that point, like I was 28, Brooke, my partner was 30. We had no idea how to serve widows, much less ones in their 20s and 30s and 40s. It was just such a foreign concept. And obviously now 
I get messages from those people almost daily. And it's just, it's astounding how often young people lose their spouse that you don't think about until it happens to you. I mean, it's like a severe version of I bought a Jeep. Now I see Jeeps everywhere. I mean, truly. Yes. Why do you want Maddie to tell her story on this episode? I feel like the loss that I have experienced in my life is, I think loss is just severe in any form, but yours is something like your story is something that I think is feels unfathomable to so many people. And I think I just love how what you have learned and what the Lord has worked in you is something that people with the most extreme of losses and everything underneath can relate to. Yeah. Because, you know, my losses were best friends, grandparents. The things that I talked about in my book are 100% validated as like really extreme and painful losses. But I think there are so many people who have stories that are way different and um, are much harder to try to come through and to see God in that and to trust God in that. Mm. And I just love what you have talked about for years and what you talk about in your book of just like just the honesty of all of it, of all the emotions of like the the selfish emotions, the emotions you just want to shove down and just yeah. keep deep down that you want to pretend like even you're not feeling or aware that you're feeling. I love the way you process some of that in your book. One of my favorite things that I would love for you to touch on is kind of like in those after weeks and months where you had your friends and family coming around you and loving on you and and they were there for you and loved you well. But there is a point where you realized personally, I'm not helping myself anymore. And you had to physically take the steps to start walking forward. And they were painful steps. And I think you even say something like it would have been a lot easier just to stay on the couch and watch Netflix again. It would have been a lot easier to tell the friend, I don't want to go out and do this tonight. Yeah, It would have been easier to do those things. But I realized I wasn't progressing. I wasn't moving forward in the life that the Lord has is walking me into by doing those things. And will you just kind of describe your thought process through that and through that grief, because it was still very soon after, but you started having these realizations and you were so honest with yourself in that and then took the courageous steps to walk through that pain, even though you didn't really have to because no one else was recognizing that in you yet. It's very interesting. And I appreciate you saying what you did about the lessons and sort of the the things that God has revealed to me in such a severe state of grief for such a tragic loss. And like, those are not isolated to really tragic incidences. That's my Mm. biggest hope with this is that like people going through any sort of hardship or suffering or trial or questioning, they're the same lessons from the same God. They're just turned on volume 10 because that was a volume 10 pain. So, you know, I I really appreciate that. And so I think the tendency, at least for me, and I I don't want to project on anybody else, but the tendency would be to more to push down those painful emotions, just the way that I'm wired. And I think from what I've experienced in a lot of conversations with people too, in the last three years is like, it's sort of like a a fight or flight thing, right? It's like either, all right, I'm going to power through, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to put a scripture bandaid on this pain and pretend it's not as bad as it is. And we do that as a church. And I think a lot of that is well-intended and like, obviously (laughs) the word of God is what's going to heal us. But unless you're very honest about how deep that pain is and how broken you are, then it is a bandaid. It's not, it's not really going to start healing. And then on the flip side of that is sort of what you described is not push it down, but it's more the flight thing. And it's just like, I'm just going to shut down. I don't have the energy. I don't have the mental capacity, the emotional capacity, the physical capacity, because that's what grief does. It really it say, assaults you your both, whole body. Oh, right? listen, there were days I was like, I'm killing it. I'm doing this grief thing so well. And I look back and I was like, I was 100% depressed. I just mm-hmm. didn't acknowledge that. And so I think those early days, the things that the Lord sort of showed me, there's no way to do this right. That was the first thing. I like wanted to grieve the right way because I wanted to get the steps done and like move past it, which is Mm. (laughs) insane in retrospect. But, you know, the first thing he really told me was just show up, like Mm. just show up. 
all you're expecting of other people in your life is to show up for you. All you're expecting of me is to show up for you when you take a mustard seed step of faith and I come in with the mountain. Mm -hmm. So all you got to do is show up and like, it's okay that that looks different on different days. Some days the show up, you know, really looked like just taking a shower, like when I wanted to stay in bed. Mm -hmm. Some days just getting back in bed. Yeah. And that's fine. And like, I couple this show up, you know, sort of um, idea in the book and I follow it with rest because some days the way you show up is to rest for yourself because you're empty and that looks different. Some days it really is painful and it takes scary steps. Like I think I tell a story of a friend of mine. It was like October. So it was really soon um, after he passed and she wanted to go pick out fall decor, she told me. And I mean, God bless her. She We've been friends 20 something years and she's one of those that like literally ordered her first pumpkin spice latte last week <laughs> oh, in yeah, August. She ready. Because, oh, she's pumped. Ready. Like, My girl. Like, yeah, yeah. Yes. Cinnamon candles everywhere, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so this was her love language. I like don't even like to keep flowers because I kill them all. So the thought of like getting all these pumpkins in the October heat and having them rot on my porch felt exhausting. Mm-hmm. But I knew this was her way of showing up for me. And I knew it was her way of loving me. So I was like, you know what? I'll just bite the bullet mm-hmm. and go. There was something in that experience that was super simple and not profound in any way that I felt for like five minutes. I wasn't thinking about my pain and I felt life kind of breathed back into me again because I was taking these pumpkins and like make like arranging them. And I felt that creativity sparked something in me. And it reminded me like your life is not always going to be in pieces. And like if you can take these pieces and make something beautiful, like you really can trust God to do the same thing with your life. Mm. And that sort of spiraled into me starting to write through my feelings. And there was this element of creativity wow. that was so healing. And just just little things like that, one after the other, that the things that feel minute and may look minute to other people feel so huge mm-hmm. when you're grieving. But like you can do it. It's it's you all God is asking of you is to show up and trust him. Are you still grieving? Yeah. Yeah. It never stops. Yeah. Like I I think for a long time I hoped that it would. And it just looks different. I think one of my mom's best friends lost her husband in her 20s. And uh, I grew up with her daughter. And she has been such a gift to me. And I remember at some point her saying, this probably doesn't make sense to you now. But you will start to find joy again when you can make friends with your grief and not let it be an enemy. And I was like, at that point, I was like, you're crazy. I have no idea what you're talking about. But I've lived into that and I kind of understand what that means. It's like it's an unwanted visitor that's never going to leave. And if you quit trying to beat it and quit trying to fight it and just say, "Okay, I'm going to learn how I'm going to hurt. I'm going to learn what my healthy reactions are, what my unhealthy reactions are and just sort of not try to resist. Then you learn how to grieve well, like you learn how to hurt. You know, his birthday was last week and. I had kind of forgotten what my rhythms were because I haven't had a big day like that in a while. I ended up at 930 at night, literally sobbing in my mom's arms like a Mm -hmm. child. And I was like, "Okay, I need to take time to reset. I don't need to try to race through this because I think I'm okay." Three years later, I need to remember how I need to grieve and I need to take the time to do it. I mean, that is living in love and loss. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'm glad that that's the title of this episode, because I think part of what is such a struggle with losing anyone who is a part of your life is that there's this tension between so desperately wanting to move forward. It's never moving on, as you mentioned, like you're never moving on. But there's this desperation to want to get to a place where your life feels somewhat stable again. But there is this deep-seated fear that, okay, when I do start to move forward, like, am I going to lose any of that love that we had because Mm -hmm. it's inevitable not to fear that and obviously you don't but there is a tension between like okay like especially for me with it being my spouse it's like okay when do i take my wedding ring off again and like when do i start to date again and will i love ben less obviously not but like will parts of our lives fade and how do you keep integrating him into new things and new stories. And so it's like with anybody, whether a grandparent, a friend, anything, it's like you want to keep them as present as you can because it feels good because you feel like they're there, you know, and you want to wear their clothes and you want to have their stuff still out. But there's a part of you that also you're like, I kind of feel like I need to put some of that away to get to the next level of healing. So it's you're constantly trying to preserve the love, but also heal the loss at the same time. And it's just, I mean, it's, you can't do it without the Lord. I mean, it's impossible. Yeah. What has the Lord been for you in this? 
<laughs> everything. Yeah. I have truly, Annie, felt so burdened like when people have come to me who are not believers and said, what do I do? And it just, it just breaks my heart because, you know, there are practical things to do and I try to encourage, but, you know, I've just said from day one, it's like, if all anyone ever hears from me is that if you sit in the front row of that funeral where I sat, Jesus is the only thing that matters. He's the only thing that matters. And, you know, especially for a long time at the beginning, your world just feels like black and white. Like you, all I wanted was my people and God. And, you know, I had to... Were you mad at God? Thankfully, I had I had bouts of anger with him, but it really was not... It was not my natural response. And it's not because I'm super mature in my faith or valiant. It's honestly because I was so exhausted. I was like, I don't, I don't have the energy to be mad at him. It's not going to change anything. Why would I be mad? Mm -hmm. Now, everyone around me was very angry. And I've said before, I think, I think if it were one of my sisters or one of my friends walking through what I went through, I would have been more angry. But at that point, it was truly just more exhaustion than, Mm -hmm. than some super faith or anything. But I just craved him. Like, that's the only way I know how to explain it. Like, I've known God since I was a kid, like we all have, right? But I've never so desperately craved him like I did then. Have you met anybody along this journey who is also going through or went through something similar to your story who was not a believer, but now is like after that loss? Mm. Like you describe your you were raised in faith. Yeah. You knew the Lord before. What about people who did not know him Mm -hmm. through their loss that maybe are trying to find that peace? And now they've realized, okay, maybe Jesus really is the only peace I'm going to find in this. Like, do you know anyone personally that has done that? Or do you have advice for the people who are listening who might be like, that's what I'm doing wrong. I'm I'm doing this. This is not the way that I'm supposed to grieve. This is not how I was designed to process this. Yeah. Yeah. I like to use the word design because, and to answer your question, I don't, I don't have anyone come to mind immediately that has lost someone close and was not a believer in his sense. I can't think to that specific situation, but I will say all the people I've spoken to, a lot of them may be I don't I don't want to use the word nominal Christian because that sounds negative, but they believe, but it's maybe their faith has not been an active part of their lifestyle. Yeah. And when I've spoken with those people and spoken with people who maybe are really strong in their faith and have suffered our design, it's so clear that God's design for us is to let him fill all the holes Mm. and that those holes are so big when you lose someone that I think it either drives you into his arms even more so desperately or it drives you away and Mm -hmm. i I don't see a whole lot of like lukewarm reactions to things like that you know yeah so i would say to the people who maybe are believers and are angry at god and feel betrayed because hi you can and i don't want to say you should but you should i mean my mom is one of the most faithful women in the world i know and she was so mad for so long and i i kind of was trying to ask her about it and she said all i know to tell you is that I feel like I've been abandoned by my best friend, like, mm-hmm. and I'm, I feel betrayed by him and I will get mm-hmm. back to where I need to be, but I need to be mad at him right now and God can handle that. So that's what I would tell people too, is like, and I had plenty of those moments too. Don't be afraid to be mad at God. That's sort of like the pretty Christian bow. That doesn't help. Like God can handle your anger. He can handle you feeling betrayed. He knows that you're unhappy that you didn't answer. He didn't answer your prayers the way that you wanted him to. And I believe that he wept over me when he didn't give me my miracle the same way that he wept over Lazarus. Like I believe that's true because that's the kind of God with the kind of heart that I know him to be. But if you feel hesitant toward going to the word going to him in prayer. If you don't feel like you can or you don't want to, I just want you to hear like he's still there. Like whenever you decide, whenever you think, okay, Jesus really is the only thing that can maybe help me right now, like call out for him. He is ready. Like he is psyched to be there for you. Like that's, he went to the cross to be there for you. So even if speaking to sort of the non-believer side, or if you've been wounded by the church or Mm -hmm. something like that, I would just say, all you need to worry about is the person of Jesus. Like Go read one of the Gospels, see how Jesus loved people, and know that he is literally at your side Mm -hmm. trying to be that for you. Mm -hmm. Like, he's trying to be that for you. And he's been my Savior since I was 12 years old. But I don't think I let him be my sit-beside-me best friend until Ben died. Mm -hmm. Because that's what I needed. 
I needed a best friend. And like mine were fabulous, but they weren't Jesus. So I'd say run to him. He is the person, right? He is the living hope. And I don't know how to explain it. He just fills the holes. Hey, y'all, just going to take a quick break from our conversation and let you know about my favorite meal kit and today's sponsor, HelloFresh. So we're already planning our dishes for Thanksgiving, but who wants to think about all the other meals leading up to the holidays? HelloFresh recipes save time you'd otherwise spend meal planning, shopping, and chopping so you can get back to what matters most. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, from vegetarian meals and calorie smart choices to extra special gourmet options. There really is something for everybody to enjoy. And with recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts, it is sure to give you lots of deliciousness and simplicity. And they also offer the flexibility you need with customizable orders every single week. You can add extra proteins and sides. You can change up the serving size if you have more guests coming over. Or you can just double up on your favorite recipes. And November is such a busy month for all of us. But there is something so special about gathering in the kitchen with friends and family. And I don't have to stress when the question is asked, what's for dinner? Because HelloFresh has my back. And right now, we're getting ready to try out all the new delicious fall recipes like, oh yum, the pumpkin cinnamon rolls and Friendsgiving ready sides as well. They're fresh, high quality ingredients and they travel right from the farm to your front door in less than a week. Plus, we love a company that gives back and HelloFresh has already donated over 4 million meals to charity in 2020. And now they're stepping up food donations to local communities amid the food insecurity crisis and pandemic. Now you too can enjoy more time with the family and less time planning. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash LiveInLove14, as in the number 14, and use the promo code LiveInLove14 for 14 free meals, including free shipping. That's 14 free meals and free shipping just by visiting HelloFresh.com slash LiveInLove14. Again, that's the number 14. And using the promo code LiveInLove14. Now back to the show. You're our first guest to come with a piece of paper. (laughs) With notes ready to go. I haven't said anything that's on well, the paper the, except Lazarus. I did write Lazarus. The only thing I can see clearly from here is Romans eight twenty eight. Yeah. Will you talk about why that matters to you and what that scripture says? Yes. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight. I would know it if you hadn't asked me, and I didn't write the whole thing on my paper. But it's that God uses everything for our good and His glory. Yeah. For those who love Him. That's a paraphrase. And. I think what is so powerful to me, I had to keep preaching that to myself. And a big thing that um, I have sort of adopted that I would tell anyone in any point of life, not just loss, is that I have had to learn to talk to myself much more than I listen to myself. Wow. And talk to yourself more than you listen to I yourself. 100% stole that from Scott Saul. So That's I will so not good. take credit for it. But <laughs> I have implemented it into yes. the way that I've grieved and just lived in general. And so that was one of the scriptures that I had to speak to myself because there's no way to see the good. Mm-hmm. And especially a lot of people have asked me, they're like, okay, well, you know, with your work, you kind of get to help widows. And, you know, with the book coming out, it's like, okay, I can see some of the good because like God is super faithful. But most people don't get to, a lot of people don't get to see where the good is. Mm -hmm. And I think that while we would love and it helps, it helps to see the fruits of your pain. Obviously, I'm super grateful for that. But I think what's important about this verse is that when you can't see the fruits of it, you just have to choose to trust rather than understand. Mm-hmm. I think that took me a long time. Like I wanted to understand why this happened. I wanted to understand why me. I wanted to understand, was this God's plan for me or was this an accident that happens in a broken world filled with sin and he is going to just take that and use it for my good and his glory. And there was a point where it was like, why do you need to know? You just have to trust me. There is good in this. You'll see some of it. You won't see the other parts of it. Mm-hmm. And I really, really do that with everything. And it always points back to, to like Genesis, like that's what he did for Joseph, mm-hmm. right? They intended it for evil. I intended it for good. So it's all through scripture. And just, I had to preach that to myself mm-hmm. like daily for a long time. Lauren, how have you, I mean, I'm thinking about Hunter 
that your friend that passed away that you write about in the book, your grandparents. I mean, how have you seen God work everything together for the good? Of those who love him, which is an yes, important part. Which yeah. I probably skipped. Yeah. No, you said it. No, <laughs> okay. you said it. I'm I just, like, when I, perfect. I hate when people talk about scripture and cut out yeah. parts. Key, key parts like that. Yeah. yeah. For me, I've watched him, like, like even in those situations where, you know, you do have all the questions and, and I, I did, I asked him a lot of questions throughout my life when my grandfather passed away when I was seven and then just here recently my grandmother passed away and then I had you mentioned Hunter in the middle of both of those and with each passing there are so many questions and sometimes he doesn't answer them right away and actually there are still some that he hasn't answered and I don't really expect him to but like even when I feel like I'm not going to get a full answer or if I know I'm not going to get a full answer, still having the conversation with him mm. is healing. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, even though I know he's not going to tell me why Hunter died as early as he did, I don't expect him to actually answer that for me. I don't expect him to answer the question of like the events that occurred after that, that were also so painful for people who loved Hunter and were a huge part of his life and watching their lives go down an even more painful road after the fact, like seeing all of that pain is like something that I have learned to bring to him. And I feel like even just having those conversations of, of like you were saying, just like, knowing scripture and knowing the heart of Jesus and knowing that he's going to work these things out for good, even when you're still walking in the bad. So like for me personally, a lot of my burdens were, I was sure of my faith. I was sure of my friendship in Jesus. And I was sure that I was also going to be okay. What I wasn't sure of were the people around me Mm. who weren't walking that and like handing their experiences over to the Lord. And that, like that's something I'm still walking through. Um, are people who don't know Jesus the way I do, who are still walking that dark road. And, and I feel like for me, just having those conversations with the Lord about like, I love this person so much and I want them to be okay. And for him to sit with me and be like, I want the same things. Yeah. And you just have to hand this over to me. It's not It's not your burden to carry. And I think there's a lot in this life that we're never going to figure out this side of heaven. And that that is painful. It is painful. But having those conversations with him about the pain takes that pain off of you. Mm. Yeah. Is what I have learned. And so even when I feel like I'm not going to get that answer, even when I feel like it's not going to fix it right now, just having the conversation with him and him showing up and being that friend has been the most powerful gift to me through that grieving for myself or for others who I'm watching walking through the grief. Well, because you're in his presence. Like that's, I think too, even just to circle back to like, he uses all for good. Those who love him. It's like, we want the good to be the book, right? We want the good to be a ministry. We want the good to be like, you know, walking through life with other widows and giving them hope. And those things are good. Like, and trust me, as the way that I am wired, I want measurable good. I want to yes. see the outcome of of my pain. And that's what I ask for him. But I mean, the ultimate good is knowing him more deeply. That's really like, that's why this verse is always true. Like you may lose someone or suffer something and never see measurable good until you get to heaven. But the best good that he's worked in me is like, it, are the fruits of the spirit. Like I'm, mm. I like myself better than I did three years ago. Like wow. I'm kinder and I'm more patient and I, and it's not because of me. Like it's because the greatest good he can work is that for the last three years, I've turned from being self-reliant to most of the time being reliant on him. And that's, that's where the good comes from. What do we do with all of our why questions that don't get answered? Do what Lauren did. Ask them. I think ask them knowing exactly what you said, Lauren, is like, you might get an answer, but you might just get time with him. You might get more of his heart. You might get to know him a little better to where you can just choose to trust instead of continuing to need an explanation. 
And God bless, sometimes he does give explanations because he's kind and he knows we're driving ourselves crazy. But I think bring them. There's no good in hiding them from him. And there is abundant good in laying them at his feet. And like the key word to grief is surrender. It just is Mm. like every day, everything, every question, every anger, every pain, you know, and surrender them. The key word to grief is surrender. Truly. It has nothing to do with how strong you are. Oh, it's Annie. I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. But it's true. And it truly, truly, truly works. Everything from your big questions to, you know, the smallest little details of should I pack his stuff up today and surrender it. Right. And it's not giving up like surrender in our culture gets a really bad rap. Mm -hmm. And in the kingdom, it is the most powerful thing you can do. Mm -hmm. Were you good at surrendering things before Ben's death? Absolutely not. (laughs) absolutely not i mean she didn't even breathe before she answered i didn't want to cut you off i was like wait for her to finish the sentence (laughs) do you feel like you're good at it now i feel like i know the power in it now Mm, that's interesting it's good have you packed his stuff up most of it yeah yeah does his family live here they live in knoxville okay but we're very close they are fantastic i could not be more grateful for the way that we have gone through this together because a lot of the women I've I've gotten to know that's not the experience. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, what a really complicated yeah, thing. Yeah, because I do y'all y'all don't have kids. Together. We don't have kids, no. And you were married for a year, which is a long time to live with someone. Yeah. But yes. also they were his family for 20 some odd years. Yeah. I um that's just a lot of complicated numbers. It is. I'm not a math person, um, <laughs> but I think you're right. And no, I, I will say I my and Lauren, you can get this like my heart has broken more for his parents than it oh, sure. will have ever broken for my own. It's just different. Mm. And they the way that they have handled it, I'm so proud of them. And you want to talk about living in love and loss like, yeah, we celebrated his birthday last week. They've done it 31 times. I've done it six times, mm. you know. And they're just miraculous people. And God's been there for them, too. And it's looked different for them. I think that's something, too, that people need to remember. There's no prescription as to how to seek God when you're hurting. Like, obviously, he is the word. The word is with God and the word is God. And that is where I gain so much of my strength. But, you know, Ben's family, he and his whole family have always been big outdoorsmen. And we have all found such comfort in nature because, Mm -hmm. you know, when you are angry or you are exhausted, maybe you can't read. Maybe you can't go to church. That was the hardest place for me to go back to. Mm -hmm. But you can go outside and like you see the faithfulness and the power of God outside. And you know that like if he is this specific and intentional and faithful with creation, how much more intentional and specific and faithful will he Mm -hmm. be to me? And that's a lot of how they've wow. healed, too. Yeah. Why was church the hardest place to go back to? Well, we had just joined there together recently. So that was part of it. Oh, gosh. And ended up having his funeral service there. So it was, it was, those were all very recent and um, really overwhelming factors. But also, as much as the community of my church, I mean, we had just joined and they wrapped me up more than you could ever imagine, more than as even asked of them. They were fantastic. No one could have been more kind to me, but you just never feel more alone than being a place in a place where you joined as a family to start a family and then being alone. Yeah. Mm. But that was one of those steps. It's like, it was powerful. I knew I was going to cry every time I tried to sing. I surrendered that I don't have to sing. I can just stand here and cry or I can sit. And eventually, you know, it gets a little, little less raw and a little more safe. And, you know, those those wounds scab over eventually do. I think everybody, my guess is everybody in your life did the best they could to love you with what Absolutely. they had. For sure. The next time someone up close to you loses someone tragically, what's one thing that you're like, I'll be sure to do this? to Because it's what people did for you or it's what people didn't do for you. Either way, what's something yeah. when someone up close suffers like this that you're like, from now on, this is one thing I will do or give them or say or... I mean, one thing that meant a tremendous amount to me that may be specific to having lost your spouse just because I was by myself at home, my friends truly, like they set up an Excel Google Doc calendar to where every day... If I didn't want to be alone, someone was on call. And if I did feel good and I wanted some space, then I would call them off. And they did that for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I just, 
I felt the weight of having to like hold everything myself just lifted off. I mean, truly, it's not that helpful, but it truly is the show up thing. All I yes. wanted people to do was show up for me. Um, and they did. And a lot of times it just looked like sitting. And sometimes it didn't even look like talking. And sometimes, honestly, this is what I tell people a lot. And I've had some women very close to me in my life walk through some real hard stuff since Ben has passed too. And my question to them always is when, I, when I'm when i with them or I show up for them is, hey, do you want to talk about the situation? Do you want to talk about Ben? Do you want to talk about your divorce? Do you want to, or do you want to hear everything in my life that has nothing to do with that for a second? Because <laughs> right. you just want to pretend like things are normal. Right. And honestly, I, that, that meant so much to me because at some point I wanted to just talk about him and tell stories. And some days I just, I wanted to pretend my life was normal for a second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to hear, you know, my friend complain about her boss at work or like somebody just be exhausted telling stories about their kids, you know? Yeah. So just ask them, do you want to talk about it? Or you want to, you want to pretend like you're in my world for a minute? That's a great sentence. Good. Do you want to talk about it or do you want to pretend like you're in my world for a minute? That's a really good sentence. That seems really helpful. Also, I love to avoid pain. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. We're, we're on that page. Yeah. yeah for you sure. just call me, Maddie. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> we'll go to Dollywood. Oh, we'll yeah, go see a great. movie. Hey, y'all. Taking another quick break to share with you about our incredible sponsor, Modern Fertility, that we have loved partnering with to make this season happen. So if you consider yourself a planner, then you might be the type of person who budgets for major expenses years in advance or even proactively downloads a bunch of podcasts like this one before you head out on a trip. But if you know you want kids one day, what about prepping your body for that ahead of time too? Modern Fertility can help you start doing that now with their prenatal multivitamin. Modern Fertility's prenatal multivitamin is packed with 12 essential nutrients recommended by OBGYNs to support your body before, during, and after pregnancy, so it literally covers whatever season of life you're in. And it's vegetarian, gluten-free, and there are zero preservatives or filler ingredients that you don't need. And Modern Fertility balanced iron and other nutrient levels to keep your tummy happy and they infused every capsule with a hint of citrus to make each serving go down extra easy. The prenatal multi also comes with a free beautiful blue reusable glass jar to keep your monthly refills in. And each month's shipment of new capsules comes in just the pouch so you cut down on packaging waste. Your prenatal multivitamin subscription gets you 60 capsules per month for $30. But right now, our listeners can get 30% off their starter kit, including one month of capsules and a free glass storage jar at modernfertility.com slash liveinlove30. That's modernfertility.com slash liveinlove30. That's liveinlove30 for 30% off your Modern Fertility prenatal multivitamin starter kit. Again, that's modernfertility.com slash liveinlove30. Would you do anything different with Ben? Would you, was the pain worth the good? Yeah, thousand times over. Really? I would do it. It's worth it. That's, that's what you sign up for when you love someone, you know? And I think it, it makes, he's a very easy man to celebrate and he is a very fun man to carry with me through this life. Wow. And I'm just super grateful for that. I Did am. you know him, Lauren? Mm -mm. No, y'all became friends after. But um, I have friends of mine who know Ben, but I never got to meet him. I've a, heard a radiant the, little ball yeah, of joy. Yeah, the, oh. way, the way you describe him are the way is, is the way that people who I know who knew him. Describe yeah. Him. I mean, truly, when you read like childlike faith, that was mm. that was him. That man wears a big old cowboy hat. Oh, I love but it so much. It's <laughs> it's probably like a daddy issue. But yeah. In one of the pictures I just looked up online, he and your dad have on the same size cowboy hat. Yeah. But yeah, it's <laughs> big brim cowboy. Yes. Hats. How'd y'all meet? How'd you and Ben meet? College? Yeah. Mutual friends in college. Okay. Man. So can we talk about for a second... I experienced this to some extent through the losses in my life, whether it was the loss of a person or the loss of a dream or the loss of a fill in the blank. It, it doesn't have to be the death of someone, but sure. in loss in life, can you think of a time where you looked at a friend of yours or a family member or somebody whose life was full 
in that area of their life where you just lost and you had like the the human, the fleshly feelings of mm. of wanting that and resenting that person a little bit maybe or just going into a dark place of they're also happy. I'm not happy. Mm. How far down that hole have you gone before? Like how dark has it been before? Mm. And also how did you... Did people recognize in, that in you or did you rec- have to recognize that in yourself? And what did you do to pull yourself out of that? Because I think a lot of people, and I, I have done this personally is why I'm asking, mm-hmm. have wanted so badly for that pain to not be there and wanted so badly for in ourselves life. or in other people, in ourselves, in, in ourselves. I yeah. want that loss to not be there. And then I start to almost get angry towards people who have that. And mm. And how do you not let that drive the way you feel about maybe it's some like maybe it's your sister who is living out this life mm. that you aren't able to live out right now or your best right. friend or I don't know the woman down the street it could be anybody but how do you process that and and how real I mean I think a lot yeah, of when people other people that. get the thing you want yeah yeah um or had yeah yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. This is, I don't think on my paper, so correct me if the verse is wrong, but I think it's Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Fact check me. I'll fact check you. That was my mantra for the first year, for sure, because you can't, <laughs> we're flesh. Like, you can't not envy what people have that you had and lost or that you so desperately want. Like, yeah. you're just human. So I think... This may be you, Annie. Do you mm-hmm. say let the feelings in but not drive? Or yeah, they can ride like but not drive. Yes, ride but not drive. I think something I would do differently would be allow myself to feel the depth of those, I mean, call it what it is, jealous feelings. Mm-hmm. Yes. And not try to resist them because there's nothing wrong. It, it would be unnatural if yeah. I didn't think, man, I really wish I still had what they have, but not let them drive. That was the verse that I had to always come back to and truly just pray it. I'm not trying to give churchy answers like... I think five or six of my very best friends had their first kids within the six months after Ben died. Oh, my gosh. My little sister got engaged to one of his best friends who was (gasps) in our wedding, who was fabulous. But all this within six months. And it's just there's no way to do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. And I prayed going into those baby showers and I prayed you know, you still went walking down the aisle and being her maid of honor at the wedding. And there were moments where I had to walk away and I had to cry. And it took a while to feel like that was okay. And to feel like my pain is not going to take away from their joy because they love me and they want me to get it out. And the truth is, I I was joyful for them. I was so happy for all of them. But there is a huge hole inside because I can't have it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it it was allowing myself to accept that those feelings didn't make me a bad friend or a bad sister. They just made me human. My gosh. And mm-hmm. you still showed up for everybody. Yes. And you don't have to. And they always said that to you. And I, I will, again, to their credit, like they were so kind and I would have had every reason and every right. And they would have respected me if I'd said, I can't come to this. Mm-hmm. But I think there was part of me what well, I know there was part of me that was stubborn enough that I said, you know what? I've already been robbed of some of the future that I wanted. I've already had enough pain and I'm not going to let that pain rob me from these experiences too. Mm-hmm. Like I I've lost Ben for my future. I'm not going to miss out on these other things with these people I love. And I know it's going to hurt. It's just what it is. It's going to be painful, but I don't want to lose the joy and the celebration that goes along with it. And that's one thing that I say throughout the book. And I've told anyone who will listen is like joy and pain coexist. Uh, they're they're uh, not mutually, mutually exclusive. Like, didn't we learn that in inside out? Right. Right. Isn't right? that what they taught us in inside out? Yeah. I would say, be honest about it. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed that you have those feelings. Let yourself feel them. Be honest with the people who love you. If they don't receive that well, then that's their issue. It's not yours. Mm-hmm. And man, ask for the power from the Holy Spirit. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. I think when you genuinely want that in your heart, God is so happy. He's so honored to give you that power to get through those two hours or four hours or whatever it is. And he will. He'll show up. Hmm. Do you still believe God answers prayers? Yes. But I will say one of the biggest faith struggles I had was should I still pray for people to be healed? Yeah, because I would imagine 
forgive me if this is an inappropriate question. After Ben hits his head, do you, is he able to get up and where y'all did y'all walk to the car? I mean, he could have, but they put him on a People stretcher carried, and yeah. carried him in there. Yeah. Um, but he's talking to you? In and out, just like somebody who would have gotten like a, a concussion. concussion. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I imagine for the next 12 days, yeah. you're praying for healing constantly, like big time, big time. God, like, do the thing. Bible him. all over the hospital, yeah. knees on the floor, like singing, yeah. anointing oil, the whole thing. There's thousands of people praying for yeah. us all over the world, half of which I probably don't even know. Yes. And yeah, there was a huge. I like that you think you do know half of them. <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't. Half of them I don't know, but I, mean, half I might. Of them I do. Yeah, are we Facebook friends? I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for praying. Um, but it was big for me, and particularly because a childhood friend of mine got into an almost mirrored situation probably a month after Ben died. She was in a car wreck, got thrown from the car, hit her head. Same thing. Same surgery. Was in a coma. I mean, it was all the same. We hosted a prayer. You know night for her and i looked at my same friend emily who took me to the pumpkin patch and i was like i think you have to do this i was like i don't know if i don't know if praying for her healing makes a difference yet yeah and i've wrestled through that and i i now know that all of that every prayer that's honest is with the caveat caveat of your will be done right like i know you can heal her i know you can heal ben and Mm -hmm. i know he could have and you chose not to and i don't know why and i hate that that's the choice you made but I trust you. So mm-hmm. it was hard to get there. That was a very, very fast forwarded version of one of the hardest questions of faith that I had after losing him because we didn't get the miracle. Right. And a lot of people don't. Mm. I love that. I hate that that's the choice that you made, but I trust you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the permission you're giving us to say to God, I hate that. Oh, he's very that. aware of how I feel about, <laughs> yeah. about the way things have played out. Yeah. But then, you know, there's always the part that's like, if he really let me write my own story, like, is that, is that the story I want? Mm. What would we miss if we wrote our own story? Right. Right. Gosh. Maddie, I asked this to everybody, but I kind of want to phrase yours a little different. Actually, I just want to ask you the question twice because I really want you to answer it right after Ben's accident and maybe even a three part, like while you still had hope that the Lord was going to heal him. Mm. And then right after you realized this is, this is what my life looks like now, Mm -hmm. fast forwarding to where you are three years out, what did it look like for you living in love in that loss in in those three parts? Is that, is that too much? Is that too loaded of a question? I'll give it a go. I'll give it, I'm a fairly smart. I'm like trying to, to chronicle it in my head. Okay. I will say with confidence in those 12 days in the hospital that felt like 12 years. Oh gosh, I'm bad. Love became a choice. Like it was no longer a, I'm in love with you feeling. It was like I am choosing to get up and I am choosing to pray and believe that God can save my husband and my marriage. And I am choosing to love him in a hospital bed, whatever that looks like. And I'm choosing to love God, even though I'm terrified about what he's going to decide. And that felt like it was just every morning. I remember like just staring myself in the face in the mirror and being like, I'm I'm choosing to go here and do this. Like as his wife, this is how I'm going to love him. I'm going to make choices. I'm going to talk to the doctors. I'm going to pray. I'm going to play Sweet Home Alabama on a phone beside his ear. Yeah. That's our favorite movie. And if you can hear me, this is what you're going to want to hear. Right. And the nurses are going to think I'm a nut. But I chose to do that because that's mm. all you can do. Mm. And, you know, after he passed, I think living in love meant for a very long time. And it still does. And it always will. To me, it just meant honoring him the best way that I could. And that looked different when it was just me at home than it did when I was with his family, than it did when I, you know, went to his office to clean out his stuff at work. And it just, what I did he do? What was his job? He was an attorney. Okay. And I felt like I genuinely felt like as, as broken as I was, I had been sort of stewarded with carrying his, you know, childlike joyful soul with Mm. me to other people and like being responsible for the fact that people always remembered that's how he was Mm -hmm. 
And honestly, a way that I continued to love him was to try to live more like him. I remember praying prayers of like the fruits of the spirit he had that I didn't have, like graph those into me. Like Mm -hmm. I want to have the joy that he had and I want to have the gentleness that he had and don't let those things go away from this world. Just like, like graph them into me. And it was a way to continue to love him and continue to try to like let people experience him the way that I experienced him. And that felt, it was a very strange prayer to pray, but it felt like, okay, this is what I've, this is the task I've been given and I want to do it the best I can. And I mean, it I've, sounds like you're like, keep us married. Honestly, yeah. I think at that point it kind of was like, yeah. that was my desperate attempt to be like, keep him with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that sounds beautiful. And he has in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think a lot of the reasons I like myself more have to do with remembering how he lived life and loved people and trying to do it more that way. Yeah. And now is the third phase of this question. And it can even be like how you, like for yourself, like, yeah, you can include Ben in this obviously, but yeah, even just like what this looks like for you now as an individual, like as Maddie, I will say living in love as a now 31 year old widow, I will say this, the power of celebration is something that I wish everybody knew. Like, and Mm -hmm. I, I feel like Annie, you're definitely on this page, but like, to me, it's still painful, but it it sounds fun to celebrate him. Like, wow. and that's a good thing. Like, I think, you know, you preserve all the people who have come along in your life. And I think that the more that we try to resist the holidays and the birthdays and the, the things that are the most painful, you miss out on remembering like their laugh and their stories in the way that he would never eat an entire granola bar and leave one bite and throw in the trash, which still makes me want to hit him and like... <laughs> But those things are powerful. And I think it just is. What an insane decision. Ben, just uh, listen, I can't even. We don't even want to go there. Like unchristlike feelings will come up about the granola bar. But I think it's also, Lauren, like it has sown a compassion in me for other people that I'm so grateful for. And to me, I think now, whether it's people that are hurting or whether it's just people in the world that I disagree with, that is, you know, it's an angry, loud world now. I think having gone through what I have living in love is is a lot of times just keeping the gentle response and like Mm. you know being slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to anger and it's just knowing that right now is not the end game like this isn't it for us this isn't the finale of the story and that sort of just gives you a huge exhale on life and you don't have to get so worked up about stuff and you can let things roll off your back and i want to be a gentle kind presence to people now in a way that before, I mean, I wanted that, but, you know, also could steamroll people <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Don't quit doing that. I like talking about, about it too. A convoluted answer. There <laughs> no, you go. Like oh, this is good. the three-part trilogy of nope. how to live in love. That's really good. That was great. What would you say, Lauren? How do you live in love and the loss you've experienced? I think for me, it. And we've talked about this a lot today, but just being honest with the feelings I'm feeling, whether it's it, it is the jealousy of someone who I feel like is doing what I wish I could be doing right now or with the person I wish I could be with being honest with those feelings and and on the days where I feel good and I want to celebrate that person or and maybe I'm the only one that that feels good in that moment, still allowing myself the space to celebrate even while others might still be hurting i think that's an important thing to do is is to celebrate when you feel like celebrating and then let yourself feel the pain when when the pain is there and it's real and having that safe place to land to process that with somebody is whether it's been the loss of a person or the loss of anything else i mentioned a dream earlier or just something that you wish you had that you don't just being honest with those feelings and and having that community that you're able to process those with, whether they can relate or not. But then also just being in conversation with the Lord about it, like, hey, this is where I'm at today and I don't really know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's the best way I've been able to love myself well mm-hmm. through any yeah. kind of loss is just to be honest. Because like you said, he already knows what you're feeling. Yeah. So either you can just tell him and let it be an open conversation or you can try to hide it from him. Mm-hmm. And eventually what I've experienced is it's going to come out at some point. Oh, yes. So just let it, if, if you're able to recognize that, if you're in a, a place where you can recognize those emotions, good or bad, 
let those have the space and live into those for a little bit, no matter how ugly it may be. It might look to the outside world or, or how, how weirdly joyful you may look when people (laughs) are like, why are you, this should not be a good time for you or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that honesty is huge in loving yourself well in whatever your loss may be. 100%. You cannot fake it through grief. That does not benefit you or anyone else. Yeah. In the spirit of celebration, let's raise our water bottles. Woo! To Ben. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Well done. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks, Maddie. Thank you. Just a quick reminder, don't forget to partner with our friends at Crew. For only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. And when you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21, as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry. And you'll receive a copy of my book, Live in Love. All you have to do is text LIVE to 71326 to help today. Imagine how much this gift could really change someone's life. So text LIVE to 71326. That's L-I-V-E to 71326 to help now. Or you can visit give.crew.org slash live. Thank y'all so much for listening. I really have enjoyed sharing these conversations with y'all. And just a reminder that you can pick up your copy of my book, Live in Love, if you haven't yet. I really hope you'll join us next week for our episode of the Live in Love podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to live in love in relationship with your parents. I can't wait.